In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. What if, with the right mindset, anything is possible? Join us now and find out how. It's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka is here to inspire you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, Marla is here to inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power with the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, she'll share heartwarming stories, teach you tips and tricks to building a successful business, plus how to unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset. And now, here's your host, Marla Tabaka. Well, hey, everyone. I am, as always, so thrilled to be here with you today on this sunny, beautiful Monday from Chicagoland. Hey, if you've ever sat across from someone, and believe me, if you have a teenager, this has happened to you at least a half a dozen times, uh, sat across from someone or stood on stage in front of an audience who seems to be responding to you in these, like, blank stares, this this blank look, right? Mortifying, right? You might want to take a look at your I to you ratio if that's been the case for you. I'll tell you what, since inviting our guests to do a guest blog for me on uh, my Inc. Magazine space, I've really been watching my I to you ratio and you'll probably be as surprised as I was. See, there I go again. <laughs> it's amazing when you start watching this, uh, when, when you start doing this yourself. And today we're going to learn more about that, and we're going to learn how to speak effectively, get your point across, and really have it stick. And I work a lot with with clients on this, too, in just some simple changes to your language and your body language. The words you use to communicate can make all the difference and and turn things around for you in a pretty remarkable way. So we're going to learn about high-performance communication. And I'll tell you what, if you believe that you're already an excellent communicator, well, let me just say that you might be as surprised as I was. So our guest today is Peter Myers, and he is the founder of Stand and Deliver Consulting Group. Now, this company has trained leaders and their teams worldwide to achieve optimal levels of performance. He and his coaches have actually trained thousands of executives in 23 countries for businesses like uh, Cisco Systems, uh, Hewlett Packard, Nestle, Bank of America, no small businesses here, major stuff. He's also the co-author along with Shan Nix of As We Speak, How to Make Your Point and Have It Stick. Now, to develop this unique methodology, Peter brings expertise from the worlds of theater, film, martial arts, high-performance sports, together with cutting edge information from the latest developments in neuroscience, one of my very, very most passionate topics. And you know what? Our guest has a creative talent that expends, extends well beyond business. He's directed over 100 theatrical productions, performed off-Broadway in over 50 regional productions, and received the esteemed Dramalogue Award. And currently, Peter's television performances on Nash Bridges are being aired in Europe and and the United States. His recent film includes 
uh, film credit includes Last Best Sunday in SFO. So we've got a performer here today. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mindset, Peter Myers. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Marla. Thank you for inviting me onto your show. Well, I'm just thrilled, and thank you for sending me your book because I've really been enjoying it. And as I said in my introduction, you know, surprised at some of the things that that I do just so frequently that can be simply corrected with just a little attention to detail when you're speaking to someone else. Well, you talked about this earlier, the IU ratio, and it's it's it's. I mean, it comes down to the core question that all of us ask whenever we enter a new experience, whether we're listening to somebody or whether we're surfing the Internet. Or, you know, the first question we ask is, does this relate to me? Mm-hmm. Does, does this going to help me? Is this going to do anything for me? Which is what every listener is asking. But the problem is the speaker is asking the same question. So a lot of us begin with I. I want to tell you about something that I really uh, want all of you to know about because this is something that means a lot to me. And and in organizations, leaders get into difficulty because they're not understanding how to speak to the real driver, the real thing that gets people up early and keeps them up late and develops passion. It's not because it's, you know, related to me, the listener. Tell me how this is going to help my life, how the knowledge you're about to impart is going to make things more clear for me. And when we get intentional, when we just turn this a little bit, and instead of speaking because we want to speak or because we want to articulate our thoughts or because we want to uh, give somebody information, if we ask ourselves, what is the experience that we want the other person to have in our presence? What do I want to leave them with? What new knowledge would they have? What new emotion might they experience? Or or not even a new emotion, but what emotion would they experience? How do I want them to be in my presence? And you begin to switch communication from something you get through to something that is all about giving a gift. Mm -hmm. That when you speak, especially in organizations, but also in families, when, when the conversation is important and the stakes are high, every time you open your mouth, it should be, with the intention of making a difference. And when you do, you leave somebody with, with a sense of clarity when they were confused. You, you, you uplift their spirits when they were down. You, you calm them when they're, when they're nervous. You, you give them direction when they're confused. All kinds of wonderful things happen. And when it goes poorly, we leave people angry, <laughs> we leave mm-hmm. people disengaged, jealous, you know, you think about it, our experience is the sum total of these experiences that we have with each other. And if we became just a little bit more intentional about it, it would be a very powerful thing. So that's what drove me to write the book. Well, it, it, is, it is so true. And, and you just said something that, that, that really stuck for me, and that is think of the difference that you can make if you give intention to your words and you really think about that outcome in that other person. And in your book, you cite that men average around 6,000 words a day and women <laughs> average about 8,000. And so when you think of it, when you put it in perspective like that, think of the difference that you can make every single day by speaking with such clarity and intention. Wow. Right. 
Well, we have, yeah, it's true. We use, we use thousands of words a day. We probably engage in hundreds of conversations every week. We probably, if you think about in organizations, if you think of every time you open your mouth inside of an organization, you're presenting. But we're not talking about just casual conversation. When the stakes are high, when it's an right. important meeting with somebody else or with your teenager, mm-hmm. those key conversations, those presentations can make or break a career or a relationship. And we often go into them fixated yeah. on what we want to say, which seems perfectly reasonable. I'm going in there to tell them what I have to tell them. But there's, no, there's not a shred of evidence to say that it does anything to the other person. You're assuming that what you're interested in is what they're interested in. And people fall into this mistake all the time, even going to buy a car. I went to buy a, a car recently, and I went there, and every place I walked in, the guy told me all about the engine and all about the gears and all about the mechanics. I don't know anything about that stuff. I already know this is a good car. And every one of them would, you know. And finally I went to this place, and he said, listen, sit down. What are you going to do with the car? I said, I'm going to drive it. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And he said, but, but, you know, where do you drive? Where do you go? What's your lifestyle? Do you go to the mountains? I said, not that much because we have a four-wheeler for that. Well, what do you, I'm Big Sur. I go there in the summer, short chunk. You know, he did this little interview with me, and he said, all right, so let me walk you to the car that um, I think would interest you. But he started with not selling me a car but trying to find out what I care about. He said, you don't need a new car. You don't drive that much. And I, and I walked off the lot with an M3 convertible. <laughs> oh, how fun. He did yeah. a good job. <laughs> Absolutely. Rather than selling me a car, he found out what I need. But my, my middle schoolers, uh, just my, my little boy just started middle school. And I realized I had to have the conversation with him recently about, you know, oh, my God, I didn't realize this little boy is overnight is now in this whole new environment. I have to have these conversations that I didn't anticipate having for years, but bam, it's right there. Yeah. What I want to say and what I need to say in order to have an impact are two different things. My impulse is to go in and say, listen, this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do. That's, that's the way. And I want to put my finger out and I want to talk about my experience. <laughs> uh, I have to enter the conversation by knowing what does he care about? What does he care about? He cares about freedom. He wants to have more trust and more freedom. And he cares about, he wants to be a musician. He wants to grow up and be a musician. He's 11. It's, you know, it can all be baseball or hockey or, or music or movies, whatever. They all want to, every, every young kid, they ask, this is a survey, you know, with, with the American kids. They ask, what, are they, what do you want to grow up? 80% of them say, what I want to be when I grow up is famous. Famous. <laughs> Cute. That's so, true. We, so we frame the conversation in terms of, okay, so we're going to talk to you about trust, how you get more trust, and how to ensure your success for the future, rather than we're going to talk to you about drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And and that's such a great example of how your book is laid out, Peter. Um, you talk about going into your communication with three key steps to preparing. And uh, the key steps that you mentioned in the book, and we're going to go into a break about a minute here, and I'd love to talk about these a little bit more because you've already done such a great job here when we come back. Um, outcome, relevance, and the point. And you're right, you're talking about what does this person care about? What are they passionate about? And how can this topic that I intend to discuss with them fall under that category, basically? Exactly. Well, yeah. The, the structure was created um, for two reasons. One is there are three things that uh, people all over the world say gets in their way of listening. And when we come back from your, your, your break, I'll tell you what they are. But there are three things that, that consistently get 
in our way. And this was created as a way to overcome them. The second thing is that when people have a structure, it liberates them. Uh, and it's a structure that's not based on a fad or a style. It's just based on principles of human engagement. Mm, how exciting. Well, we are here today with Peter Myers, and he is the co-author of As We Speak. Make sure and check it out. Excellent book. And take a look at his guest post over on Inc., which is incinc.com slash Marla, M-A-R-L-A hyphen Tabaka, T-A-B-A-K-A. And you'll learn some pretty cool things there. It's a rather eye-opening, fun post, and it's become quite popular today. We'll see you back here in just a minute. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism. The historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marlon Tabaka. And thanks for being here today. As always, we are here with communications and leadership expert Peter Myers. Make sure that you do take some time to check out Peter's book. And it is As We Speak, How to Make Your Point and Have It Stick. And you can find more information about Peter and his co-author over at his website, StandAndDeliverGroup.com. So, Peter, I'm waiting with bated breath to 
Tell me the three things that get in the way of listening. So here are the three things that people report on a consistent level as the top three things that keep them from staying engaged, which means they stop listening. They, you know, and we've got this wonderful device attached to our belt now, which allows any speaker to find out when their points are landing and when they're not. Now, you can see it in real time, because people reach for their Blackberries when they get bored. Um, and the next generation coming up, you know, is, is, is not inhibited about that at all. In fact, you can almost assume that as you enter the room, people are already on their Blackberries, and what you're going to need to do is get them off. Now, here are the three things they say causes them to disengage. Number one, too much information. People just talk too much. And those people are all of us. And I put my own hand up here. We love to talk. We love to just give people as much information as we possibly can about something. We like to repeat ourselves and cycle back lots of different ways. And it's the first thing that people say causes them to disengage, the repetition or the uh, just too much data. Number two, is relevance. People say, okay, it was not too much data, but it didn't have anything to do with me. Right. It, it, I didn't see how, how I can relate to it. The speaker didn't connect it to me and my interest in any way. And when you think about how you influence somebody, how you really connect with somebody and create a bond, it's really just in two different ways. You can either coerce them or you speak to somebody's needs. When you speak to somebody's needs, they'll, they'll walk through fire for you. If you're helping people meet their needs, they'll, do, they'll, they'll really step up. But we often talk about our own needs rather than the others. So the second one is relevant. Is this relevant to me? And the third one is there's no point. People say, the reason I disengage because it's just a lot of stuff, but I don't know what the message is. Uh, is there a premise here? Is there something that the person is actually trying to say, or is it just a bunch of stuff? So, in summary, you've got, is it, is it brief, is it relevant, and is it clear? We love brevity. We want people to speak the speed of thought. And, of course, the technology around us has changed the way we listen. And we have to really understand this. Mm-hmm. Technology has radically changed the way we move information around. We move massive, massive amounts of information at lightning speed but we haven't reinvented the way we speak since the greeks we still meet and give each other information even though the technology will carry it yeah and what's also happened is the way we listen has changed you know everybody who's walking around now has grown up with a you know a a a joystick and computers and everything we've been able to move information a lot faster Mm-hmm. I work with teachers a lot. One of the things I say is, you know, you just got to work faster with them. They're faster than you. You can't talk to kids like this for six hours a day. I mean, I say, no wonder three quarters of the kids are on, on Ritalin. I mean, oh, I'd be yeah. on Ritalin too if I had to listen to Mrs. Johnson <laughs> speak to me like that. I'd be bouncing off the walls. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's so I mean, true. No disrespect to people that really need some 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 help there, but gosh, we're 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 putting so much on kids today. And the fact is, they're just you got to reconcile the fact that when they play a video game, things happen at real time, really fast, with high explosives and energy and things jumping. If you stand in front of that group and speak to them like this, there's no way they can stay with you. But the same is true of grown-ups. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, 
the jobs like yours are even harder these days. You got to hold the attention of people that are used to things moving really, really fast. Yeah, and and clients on the other end of the phone who are multitasking don't want to take the time out for an hour long coaching session, right? It is. It's fun. So, so Peter, getting up on stage and speaking at at a fast enough clip, having relevant information with a point, a premise, not too much information. Those are all critical. One of the things that I struggle with is is the first or second, you know, the first and second sentences that come out of my mouth when I get up in front of a live audience. I see a lot of people using humor to really capture the audience. And I don't know that I'm that humorous, you know, so I struggle with that a little bit. What are some other suggestions you might have? Well, exactly. The old adage is always open with a joke. And I say, never open with a joke. Oh, good. (laughs) That gets me off the hook. Exactly. Yeah, because there's this great pressure on you to go out there and be funny, and you're you're not a joke teller, right? Right, exactly. Right. right. I said, you know, always open with a joke. I said, never open with a joke. Unless, A, you know you're funny. Mm-hmm. And, B, it's a fresh joke that they haven't heard before. Otherwise, you're going to seem like everything else is, you know, derivative and repetition from the past. Right. Um the key to opening any conversation is that you have to build what we call a ramp. There has to be a way of getting a high level of engagement in the first 7 to 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. You don't have any more time. People decide very quickly whether they're going to listen to you in the background, or they do their email and they do other things, uh, or whether they're going to give you some attention, but they might answer their phone if it rings, or if they're going to lean forward and open up their heart, open up their mind, because they're curious about what you have to say. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the question becomes, how do you make somebody curious? How do you open a conversation that immediately, like a ramp, gets you elevation, gets you a high level of interest and curiosity? Well, the most authentic way to do that is to open by demonstrating that you have the other person's best interests at heart. If I say to Lucas, listen, Lucas, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. That's one thing. But if I say, look, Lucas, I know that when you get older, you, you want to be a successful musician. And I know you want to start taking guitar lessons now to add to the piano, and you're, going to, you're on your bike. I know you want a lot of freedom. So I want to talk to you about some of the expectations your mom and I have It'll help you get the freedom and also the things that will ensure your success as a, as a musician. That's a different way of approaching it. But um, I've got his interest because I'm speaking to what he cares about first and figure out how to link what I'm doing to meet his needs as well. But that's how you open a conversation. The other way you can do it is you can shock people. You can say something that's really arresting, but it's kind of theatrical. You've got to be careful when you do it and how you do it. You know, you've heard people open with, you know, every eight seconds when you drop in whatever you want after that. Right. Every right. eight seconds is a baby born in South America. Whatever you say after that, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's a good structure, but you have to be careful that it doesn't become artificially theatrical. Yeah. Depending, you know, and, and uh, you know, I could open the conversation with Lucas and say, did you realize that every eight seconds a kid in California overdoses on drugs? 
I definitely get his attention. Yeah, that would get his attention, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's a little bit manipulative. So you got to be careful about it. You gotta, it's a very yeah. powerful weapon. Yeah. Another way to open a conversation is with a challenge. You challenge somebody. I could come on the show and, you know, I could, I could, I could get, you know, I could challenge the listener. Say, for each and you know, for if you guys have five minutes. I'm going to challenge you to take a step further, to go to another place. If I can appeal to the aspirational vision that people have for themselves and say, I'm going to challenge you to go there, that's another way to open. Mm -hmm. Um, But the most authentic way to open is to speak to somebody's needs. So uh, we run a consulting firm. I can come into a company and, you know, and I can talk about what's under the hood and the technology. I can come in and say, listen, I'm really glad to be here. I'm the president and CEO of Stand Deliver, and I want to talk to you today about something that we're really passionate about, which is the spoken word, the mm-hmm. ability to articulate your thoughts. All of us are from various areas of expertise in communication arts, and this is something we are, we are determined to make a difference uh, in the world. And this all sounds good, maybe maybe even typical, but the, the subject of that conversation is us. Yeah, right. We're just talking about ourselves. Yeah, they don't care. Well, they might. They might care about some of that stuff, but we haven't talked about their <laughs> interests yet at all. Right. So that's the use of I and we. But I might come into the same room and say, look, your organization is going through an incredible change right now. You've just let go of 2,000 jobs. You've just empowered 200 people to become leaders in the organization. There's a lot of confusion. There's been some survivors, guilt, and you're also, you know, the competition is sneaking up on you guys, and you're going to have to produce a high-performing team in the next two years. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're going to get squished out of the market. Now, what we do, now I have an invitation to talk about how we might if I'm right about that, and they're nodding, now I can say, this is what we do, and this is how we can help. But I started with his interest, not mine. Yeah. That's simple. That's that simple. People would start with the other person first. Mm-hmm. Change the quality of our conversation. So true, and, and, and that's what we talked about in the, in the very opening of the show, is how simple some of these, these steps can be to change the quality and the impact of, of conversation just by changing some words and, and showing some authentic caring as well and knowing your audience and understanding their problems or their difficulties. Exactly. I did a, a podcast recently on how to ask your boss for a raise, and one of the uh-huh. things I said is, you know, the main reason people, people go into the boss and they'll say, listen, I've been working really hard, came in on a few Saturdays, you know, and I did this and I did that, and I am and I am, mm-hmm. and I want more money, which sounds reasonable. But consider this. What if you went to your boss and you said, listen, when you hired me two years ago, what you wanted to create was this. What you asked me to help you do was this. You wanted more time for yourself. You wanted more freedom. You wanted to focus more on those things. I think you've achieved all of those. And today, I'd like to talk to you about a raise. You might actually be talking about the same thing, but you framed it differently. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think it would have a much different impact. We are going to go into another break. This is just going so, so quickly. So check out Peter's website at standanddelivergroup.com. And don't forget to check out his post over on inc.com. 
slash Marla hyphen tobacco. We'll be just back in just a moment. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Attention parents and teachers. Here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent close to half a trillion dollars to improve reading ability, and yet we still have over 8 million students who cannot read on grade level. 440,000 students who have a total reading vocabulary of 50 words or less, and a national dropout rate of one new student every 26 seconds. Sadly, one of these could be yours. Fortunately, it's not too late to help. Introducing The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, a fast-paced, highly informative, easy-to-listen-to show led by nationally recognized reading authority, Dr. Joe Lakovich. For more on Joe on the show, check out his website, failurefreeonline.com. Listen in this week to learn amazingly simple ways to turn this problem around. The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, with your host, Dr. Joe Lakovich, Fridays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marlon Tabaka. And if you haven't already moseyed over to Amazon to pick up Peter's book, make sure that you do. We're here today with Peter Myers, a co-author of As We Speak. It's uh, how to make your point and have it stick, and it can certainly help you in in participating in some more compelling conversations and, and understanding how to communicate your needs and your desires to the audience in a way that they're interested in hearing them. And Peter, one, one of the things that I'm, I'm so enjoying listening to you is in the infliction, the tone, the, the pauses, the, uh, you know, you're using a lot more than words here. Talk to us a little bit about that. Okay. Um, when you think about communication, traditionally we've thought about it in terms of the right words. If you think about it in a triad, in fact, one side of that triangle is content, the words. It's what we say. And if we can get language and messages and symbols together that are relevant, clear, 
and the right length, then, um, then you have at least a chance of it going through. But how often have we heard somebody who's got great ideas, but they're impossible to pay attention to mm-hmm. because they're monotone or because they're lifeless when they're in front of a group? So the second part of that triad is delivery. It's not just the words. It's how you say them. In fact, it's not how you say them even. It's what people perceive. It's what they experience. But let, let it be known that the, the words are only a part of the whole engagement. The sound that we use and the way we use our body, the way we use our eyes, is all part of delivery. Now, we're just working with voice here, and, and you were talking about sound, but you think about the voice, there are, there are three modalities that you can focus on if you want to develop the musicality of your voice. And that's what we're really after. Not musicality just for the sake of it, but that when you use sound in concert with meaning, when you use the word, the, the, when, you, when you use the the sort of music of the idea with the idea, it makes it easier for the person to understand. The, sh- the sound shapes the meaning. In the absence of, of, of variation in the sound, you have, you know, today I want to talk to you about something that I'm really passionate about, Marlon, I think this is something that you also, and we go, there's something wrong there. Mm-hmm. When it's a little bit better, it, there may be a little variety, but we can't hear one idea separated from the next. So musicality really comes down to another triad. There are three things that you can focus on. One is it changes in the volume. There are times when you want to bring the voice into more volume, where you want to emphasize something. But there are also times when you want to let the voice become softer. And you want to invite the listener to come closer to you, to give them space, to be more accessible. Most of us think that when we want to emphasize something, the way to do it is to get louder. But another way to do it is to get very soft, but to be very intentional. You'll see really good teachers do this. They can make their voice very quiet, and the class really calms down, and nobody moves a muscle. (laughs) And moms do that really well, too. I mean, that's, a, that's another thing, though. It's like, yeah, yeah, you can show that you're just smoldering. But you can also use a gentle, soft voice and hold people's attention if you're supporting it with breath. Right. The main problem people have with their voice is that they're not breathing. But one of the ways we, we create more volume is by, like, the, the voice works very much like a bellows. Like an accordion, when you, you push more air through, the volume comes up. The voice also becomes more generous with volume. The people who, who are always soft um, are generally holding their breath. It's not that they're soft, it's they're holding their breath. They're holding their breath when they speak. When you release the breath through the voice, it's full, and it also enables you to change the volume. The second way you can change... The moda- different moda- like like sliders on a on a PA system almost uh-huh. ways in which you can add variety and add meaning. The second way is through tempo, and that of course has to do with the speed. That really there isn't a right speed and there isn't a wrong speed. The only bad choice is to have one choice. 
is to be speaking at the same tempo the whole time and never changing it. Because if all I do is stay at that tempo, even if it's a good tempo and even if everything else is working, it's just the same tempo. It, you can't stay with it. It's yeah, it's flat. So this, and, and there are things that you can, you can kind of rip through. All right, so we talked about Q1, Q2, Q3. Let's, let's take a look at Q4. Mm. And when you change the tempo from one to the next, it sets off the second thing as more important. If you blend them together, then it doesn't really mean anything. If you say, what flavors of ice cream do you have? And I said, we have chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry, and most importantly, we have pistachio. Pistachio didn't really get any extra value, but if I said, look, we have chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry as usual, but we also have pistachio. Pistachio now stands on its own. <laughs> That's a bit theatrical, but you get the idea. I um, do, and you know, it's funny you say theatrical, Peter, because this is what I'm thinking while you're doing all of this so so well and and so eloquently. Is well, wow, you've got such a background in theater and in acting. How does an average speaker? make themselves not so average? Are we born with this gift? Is it something anyone can learn? I mean, is there hope for all of us or just some of us? It's, there's not only hope, it's, all, it's already a reality. Here's the interesting <laughs> thing, Marla. Uh-huh. In, if, if, the same person who's going up to give the report, the financial report, or doing, you know, you go back, back to school night is another one that can be really painful. You know, you watch these principles and they go, um, but sometimes it's just, that same person who's making a presentation in a monotone, in, in 30 minutes is downstairs talking about last night's game mm-hmm. with a completely animated voice full of color. Hey, did you see the game last night? That was unbelievable. <laughs> Boy, it was, he was right there. He was right, right around the second base. He was coming around. He was coming around. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he slides. He slides. It was, and this guy's like an opera singer a little bit later. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're true. I we don't need to go out and get yeah. special training or any special equipment. We already have this ability. Right. But we, we become unintentional in organizations sometimes, especially in high-stakes situations. Yeah. In a high-stakes situation, you are hardwired to fail. You are oh. hardwired to fail in a high-stakes situation. Because Interesting. Why is that? Well, you said that you're interested in neuroscience. You know, there's a part of the brain, it's very old, called the amygdala. Mm-hmm. Very, very old. And there's a new part of the brain called the frontal cortex. The frontal cortex does all the thinking. The amygdala doesn't do very much thinking at all. In fact, the amygdala is super, super fast. And its job isn't to think at all. Yeah. Its job is to keep you alive. It is the, it's the yeah. caveman, but it's the early warning system that anything is going wrong. Yeah. The frontal cortex then works out solutions. That's the new part of our evolution. That's where our intelligence is. But the thing that's keeping us alive is the amygdala because it's constantly scanning the environment. Mm-hmm. It constantly scans the environment and looks for danger. It looks for danger while you're awake. It looks for danger while you sleep. It never goes away. When you wake up in the middle of the night because you hear a sound, that's your amygdala. Bam! When you walk across the lawn and you suddenly freeze because you think you see a snake and it turns out to be the hose, that's your amygdala. When you put your foot out in the street and you hear a honk and you pull that leg back really fast, that's your amygdala. It's super fast. If it was your frontal cortex, 
And you put your leg out there. You look down the street and go, huh, Maserati coming. It looks like a 78, in fact. Coming right towards my leg. Your leg would be gone because you'd be thinking about it. The thing about the amygdala is it's constantly scanning for danger. And for the last few hundred thousand years, if you were standing in front of a group of people all alone, a bunch of mammals staring at you in the dark, it could only mean one thing. You're about to be lunch. And as much as you tell yourself that your job is on the line or the pitch of the presentation, the early warning system is going off like crazy, going, danger, danger, danger. And it signals the brain to go into fight, flight, or freeze. And you see the flight in the sense that people start moving around a lot, their legs start doing things, they want to get, you know, they want to move. You see the fight in the sense that the arms almost always come up in front of the body. You ever notice that when people speak, they always have their arms in front of them? Yeah. It's like as if they were holding a shield and a sword, you know, in case anybody jumps out at them. Always got their hands in front. And um, so, so as, you, as your brain goes into this thing, one of the things it does is it directs blood flow into the large muscle groups. The big, the, you know, the pecs and the biceps and the legs. And, and massive amounts of blood get pumped into these large muscles. And as it does that, it drains blood from other key organs. Mm-hmm. And if anybody's ever stood in front of a group of people, they thought that they couldn't even find, they couldn't think of what to say. They blanked. They couldn't even remember their middle name. Like their IQ, it dropped through the floor. Well, the reason is, is because it has. And you're up there, the, the blood gets drained from the frontal cortex and it goes into the large muscle groups. And if you feel stupid up there, it's because you are. You are? <laughs> In that moment. In that moment, you're not prepared to do any thinking and presenting. You're prepared to fight, run, or freeze. That is what we are hardwired to do. Fight, run, or freeze. So most of us go into these situations and we play... To, we play we play not to lose. We just hope to get through the damn thing. If I could just get through this, unscathed, if I could just not humiliate myself. God, it's taken five years off my life, but I'm going to get through it. <laughs> we don't go in to win. We don't go in to say, you know what, I'm going to go in and I'm going to use this as an opportunity to advance the cause, to convince these guys, to enroll them, to bring them on board. Mm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, I sure do. And uh, from personal experience, <laughs> can totally relate. We're here with Peter Myers, author of As We Speak, How to Make Your Point and Have It Stick, and just having a great show here. We're going to go into break in a few seconds. I want to remind you one more time to go on over to inc.com slash Marla hyphen tobacco and check out Peter's post today because uh, it has some great information in it as well. We'll see you back here in just a minute. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life. Through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Lindale Link with host Holly Rand comes Mondays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Linda Link is 
Lindell's first and only internet radio broadcast. Holly, tell us about it. It's really something from my heart that I want to be teamwork um, for the entire community to get the word out about everything that's going on here. We're talking to the entire community of Lindell. This is not limited to just businesses or just parents or just teachers. Simply to get the word out about your cause or your company, you must go to where the people are. And today, people are on the internet. Lindale Link. Lindale, Texas is a growing chain of business, education, commerce, community. Together, Lindale Link can create one strong chain of communication. Check out LindaleLink.com and then check out Lindale Link, the radio show. Lindale Link with host Holly Rand. Mondays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 Central on Toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 success stories from successful entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on DougieNet.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. And we have covered so much ground here today with our guest, Peter Myers. And uh, we're talking about that fabulous amygdala, the part of the brain that is always looking for the danger and fight, run, or freeze is what it tells us to do. Going into it to win is something that as speakers we all need to consider doing before we get up there on the stage. And that's so true. Peter, one of the other topics that I wanted to cover today, if we might, is the the art of listening because this is an important part of communication as well. And so often we tend to speak our own language when we're responding to someone who's trying to get a, a point across to us and feeling frustrated that they're not being heard. How can we reframe things, you might say, to to really help the person who's communicating to us understand that we're we're hearing them, we're understanding them? How can we effectively communicate in that direction? Right. Right. Well, I think that's an important question. How do we listen better? How do we have better conversations? How do we truly engage in dialogue? Mm -hmm. And I mean dialogue in the sense of two minds working together to find a higher truth. The idea of, uh, of understanding each other. Well, here's what I've learned. That the number one problem when we get stuck in a conversation is that person A continues to try to tell person B what their point of view is. Person B pretends to listen, and when she or he sees the other person's lips stop moving, they then tell person A their point of view. 
Then person, then the other person tells their point of view again, and they go back and forth like that. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the key issue. Often there is a difference of opinion. That's something different. But here's something that you can do as a pivot. We call these pivots. Okay. The first pivot in any conversation where you find yourself stuck is to stop and ask the other person, what do you understand my point to be? What do you understand my point to be? I would call that a pivot. A second pivot is, would you like to know what I think? Especially if a person is in a monologue. If you say, John, 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 would you, would you like to know what my point of view is on this? Or would you like to know what I think? Um, yeah. Of course, you might say no and go back to his monologue. <laughs> yeah. But you at least, if he's not a sociopath, you at least have half a chance. He'll say, yeah, what's your point of view? Uh-huh. So what do you hear my point to be? Would you like to hear my point of view? Are both pretty good pivots. The third which answers your question, how do we listen better, is this. Here's a great way to get unstuck from almost any conversation. Stop and say, let me see if I understand what you're saying. Let me see if I understand what you're saying, John. And then paraphrase for him what he said and what he meant. Now here's where you have to be an artist, a human being. Not everybody says what they mean. There's a lot of stuff they're not saying. Like you don't have to have a PhD in psychology to figure it out. <laughs> Just look. He's giving you a whole lot of communication in his tone, in his eyes, right. his manner. Pick the whole thing up. And if you can say, look, so John, let, John, let me see if I understand you. So you're saying that you're holding your side of the bargain among the team and other people aren't, and it's making everybody look bad, and you're the one staying up on the weekend, and you're going, Father, and you're, you're frustrated. And he says, exactly. <laughs> you have a bond with another human being at that moment because you have demonstrated, not said you're listening, you've demonstrated, let me see if I understand you. Then he's at least prepared to listen to your side because you've demonstrated you heard his. Yeah. It's really simple, and it works. It really works. You don't have to have a whole five-step manual next to you. Remember these three pivots? You can also create your own. But here's the, here's the thing. Anytime you're in a pattern with somebody and it's stuck, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. You have to change mm-hmm. the pattern. Yeah. And you want to do it in a way that's respectful. Yeah. And we see that a lot in, in spouses you know, in relationships like that, people we've been around for a long time, employees, spouses, children, and changing the pattern isn't always easy. But it's not easy because the other person doesn't want to be on, they don't want to be changed. They're on a rant. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it can be so, so very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about the different languages that we have, the different brain languages, the kinesthetic, auditory, how, how can we incorporate these into our speeches so that we are sure to get not only speeches, but communication, sure to get the attention of the other person in a way that they get it? Well, let's go deeper. 
you're saying, let's go deeper. Let's look at these different modalities. Yes. So people have preferred ways of thinking and perceiving the world. Some people see it in pictures. If you say, you know, where did you live growing up? They see the house. Now, most of us are visual most of the time. But somebody says, you know, when you think of your mom, do you see her face or do you hear her voice? Because some people will say, I can still remember her voice. And they perceive the world mostly through sound. Some people are kinesthetic. And they perceive the, the world mostly through their feelings. Mm-hmm. They talk about things as being heavy and light and uh, rough, smooth, felt good, I feel comfortable, let me see how I feel about that. How do you feel about it? Um, and some people are digital. They like to talk about things in terms of numbers. So you can tell what preferred modality a person's in by the language they use. And if you can use their language, you can create rapport with them. And rapport is a sense of closeness, a sense of intimacy, a sense of connection. So you can tell what their preferred modality is because they'll, they'll reveal that in spades. If you, a guy comes back from 10-year anniversary skiing with his wife in Mont Blanc, they ask him how the vacation was. He says, oh, it was great. We got to the Alps. It was so beautiful. The blue sky, the white mountains, Mont Blanc against the silhouette. We got there. My wife in her new blue jumpsuit, me and my orange one. <laughs> and we got there. As we looked at the mountain, you could see these just white, fluffy clouds of sun coming down. We got up there, and we saw over Lake Geneva. It was amazing. I don't know if you can see over Lake Geneva from Mont Blanc, but yeah, you can. Um, obviously, the guy's visual. Right. But if he, he comes back and he says, oh, how was your vacation? You say, it was, it was great, man. It was, we got there. And you know that sound in the mountains when it's so quiet, you can hear the snow coming down. And we cuddle up around this crackling fire. She whispers in my ear. He's auditory. He's a sound guy. He likes auditory. If he says to you, hey, listen, I just got back from my vacation. It was fantastic. And uh, it felt so good. We got there, and it was cold, but we had our suits on, and we cuddled up on the chair, put my arm around her. I felt like a kid again. Got to the top of the mountain. I started to ski. I felt as free as a bird. We stopped. We wrapped our arms around each other, two warm lips against, and we kissed, and I just fell in love with my wife. He's kinesthetic, big time. He's a feeling guy. He might say to you, hey, we got there. It was our 10-year wedding anniversary, and we got there at 8.30 in the morning. We were the very first ones, just the two of us, and we were the very first ones on the list, and we went for about 15 minutes. We went about 1,000 meters up the mountain, and we got there, and we could see like 100 miles, (laughs) and we skied for just about 50 meters. I did a nice short stop. My wife stopped there. I looked into her two blue eyes, and I said, even after... After 10 years, you're my number one. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, you are so skilled at delivering in all three of these different, or all four of these different languages. It's, it's, uh, it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank you very much. That's, that's just too fun. I love it. So, so I have to ask, um, public figures. Who do you admire in terms of their ability to deliver a really powerful and meaningful speech? Clinton, Uh Obama, Blair, 
all three of those guys are great. Yeah. They're yeah. all great. And uh, it's, 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 it's an interesting time to be an important speaker because now, of course, everything they say is under the, you know, there's a microphone and a camera there. And, and my belief is that we vote very much based on these television appearances of the candidates. Oh, yeah. We yeah. vote very much on that. You know, I think you can, you can predict every single election by the quality of the speaking. If you look at the Nixon-Kennedy tapes, the, 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 you know, the debate tapes, all the way through, because they're all on record now, if you look at them, every single election goes to the better speaker. Yeah. yeah. No exceptions to this, including the Kerry and Bush race. Bush was truly a better communicator. He may not have liked or he may have liked whatever, but Kerry may have been smarter, but he wasn't a better communicator. Bush communicated in a way that spoke to people's hearts as well as their minds, Kept it clear, kept it simple, made it relevant. All the basic rules of good communication. Yeah, such a critical skill. Okay, now I'm going to be politically incorrect and and, uh, ask who perhaps you think could use a little of your guidance and tutoring. Everybody could. Listen, I have a team of 15 world-class, world-class performance coaches, and we coach ourselves first. Uh-huh. Listen, it's, it, it, you can, this is a lifetime thing. It's like any, any other art form. We, you know, we all can get better. Um, we, we'd love to work with Obama. Uh, we think we'd definitely help him, although I would say he's a master. Um, you know, there are, but you don't have after you, after you look at those three guys, you don't have to look very far to see just about everybody needs a lot of help. Yeah. The, these guys have some difficulties. Although there are, the candidates out there now, you know, Mitt Romney is, is, Mitt Romney is a strong communicator. He has to own the time better. By owning the time, it's this. When somebody feels like they're being rushed and they're being pushed and, 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 and there's a kind of, um, I can't take up too much time because the thing's always, it lowers your authority. Mm. You watch Rick Perry, and even though he doesn't put his words together, he uses the time like he owns it. Yeah, he does. He owns the time. Right? It doesn't time. make up for the fact that he can't finish a thought when he's off his talking <laughs> point. But he owns the time like nobody's business. And this time has been so delightful. Peter Myers, check out his new book, As We Speak. Thank you so much for joining us today, Peter. This is been very great. Welcome, it's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for being a part of the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka from Toginet. If you've always known there was more out there for you, but you just weren't sure how to get there,